Right. Good morning, everyone. This is um, another episode of 15 Minutes with 15 West, and I'm excited today to be joined by Alan Clark from RecruiterFit. Now, Alan has been recruitment trainer to the stars for the last 25 years. And um, yeah, Alan, over to you. Do you want to introduce yourself to our listeners? Well, a very good morning to you. Or if you're a podcast person that likes listening every evening, good evening. Uh, and if you're listening in the afternoon, why? You should be on the phone. Um, <laughs> so first of all, can I just say, if you have seen uh, Lisa's email, um, I'd just like to say to you that I never asked her to say that I am the best recruitment trainer in the world. I don't <laughs> even think I'm the best recruitment trainer in my house. Um, <laughs> but, but I have been training recruiters for 25 years and I've trained in excess of 11,000 people wow. uh, across 17 different countries. And Despite what one of your uh, people mentioned on your post, um, I'm not making placements. Um, and this person seems to think that because I'm not making placements, I'm out of touch, which actually is a bit bizarre because I actually keep in touch by training people pretty much every day of the week. And I speak to businesses, business owners in many countries, in many sectors. So that's how I stay informed and, and well-connected. Mm -hmm. And I think someone also mentioned the fact that Oh, if you're also such a bloody good trainer, then why aren't you sitting on the Maldives, you know, uh, living off the dividends of selling your your uh, your business? Well, uh, one of my strengths is not getting involved in uh, measuring exercises with people that I don't know. So there you go. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I'm happy to answer the, the questions that you've got, put my spin on it, because I have, for example, done a lot of graduate recruitment. I've stood at graduate yeah. fairs, the Excel Arena, Business Design Centre, Olympia, and I've spoken to thousands and thousands. So I've actually got some first-hand yeah. experience. So yeah, I mean, our listeners will be from graduates up to <clears throat> hopefully managing directors. And obviously you've done it all. And, yes. you know, I'm sure a lot has changed over the years. But I guess a lot what we're seeing at the moment and as a business 15 West, we've onboarded our first graduates in the last um, three months and you've been kindly working with them so mm. I guess what would be interesting to know from a business owner point of view but also you know um, graduates who are coming into the into the recruitment world like what have you seen about best practice on, on onboarding yeah. these guys and what's worked yeah. and how, how do people yeah. get up to speed you know as quick as possible yeah. Yeah. and I know that we've got sort of three key questions that we want to cover and and what I would say just as a caveat to this is that even with my sort of a quarter of a century of training people, I just want to burst the bubble and just let everybody know, and they might hang up at this point, but there are no silver bullets in mm. recruitment. And what I mean by that is there is a one silver bullet that will work across every single industry sector, every level that you work at and every country that you work in. All recruitment businesses have their own ways of working, sometimes driven by the people in charge. Sometimes mm -hmm. it's by market pressures and the markets that they work in. But you, you cannot compare a recruiter working on a temp healthcare desk, for example, placing nurses to someone placing a relationship manager into an investment bank. Um, you know, you could get great fees in Germany, 25 percent, but try and get that same fee in the UK and be 15 percent. You know, some work through portals, some work through managed service providers, some work direct with the decision makers. So, you know, the tips that we're going to go through today, they are just tips. You know, mm. it's a bit, I'm not going to use the word, but I will use the word bottom. You know, these are just my opinions. And we all know that opinions are like bottoms. Everyone's got one. So <laughs> there you go. Um, <laughs> so so, so what's, what, have you heard that before? No. Oh, OK. <laughs> I, I tidied it up a bit. OK. 
Okay, right. Move on. Right. So, on what's board, the first onboarding, question? onboarding grads. Right. Okay. I've got three things that I want to mention. Uh, the first one is give them a target. Now, what I mean by that is, uh, you might think, Alan, seriously, I've just invited you onto this this podcast to give us some good tips here. Uh, give them a target, but I'm not talking about a financial or a numerical target. I'm talking about give them a target market that they're going to specialize in. Give them an idea as to what levels of people they're going to be placing, what skills they're going to be focusing on, even uh, the tech that they're going to be working, the countries that they're going to be working with or specific locations. Bear in mind, these graduates, they've been used to learning. They've been used to researching, to pass an exam. Mm. But now they need to learn for a very different reason. They're not learning their marketplace to pass a test anymore. What they're doing is they're learning so that they can build credibility in their communications with both clients and candidates. You know, they've often been told over their sort of during their academia, this is what to re read and this is where to research. So and sometimes they're even told this is what the exam is going to cover. Mm -hmm. So in recruitment, in your respective offices, you need to give them that direction too. Mm -hmm. suggest to them perhaps where they should be doing the research and what they should know by the end of it. And a great measure of that is to get them to do a market presentation. Maybe after month three, present back your findings of the market. This way, as a manager, as an owner, you can assess how they assimilate that information, how they use that information, and then you can steer them accordingly. Yeah. So I suppose my first tip is about give them a target, but it's all to do with their market, particularly if you are a specialist recruiter. Yeah. And actually, just while I was thinking about that, I'm just, when I say graduates, I mean like new hires, yes. you know, they could be coming from school, from anywhere, they don't have to yeah. have gone to university, but the same principle applies because they've been studying previously. Absolutely, it does. And actually, the second point definitely applies to anybody new, whether they're a graduate or not. And it could be a bit controversial, but my second point is get them on the phone as soon as possible. Yeah. Um, and, and the reason for that is, as, as owners, as business managers, you need to be able to identify phone fears and any wobbles early doors yeah you know once again they will need direction when they first start they'll know they'll need to know who am I going to call what do I need to say what are the outcomes I'm looking for you know and particularly mm -hmm. with the university graduates they, they look they've probably done some oral exams or they might have been involved in debates but a lot of their exams are going to be based upon coursework dissertations the written word and there's not too much that they use to practice their verbal communications and even sometimes, you know, at school or in other jobs, what happens is we need to get them on the phone as early as possible so that they can practice with that communication, verbal as well as interpersonal. Yeah. And we all know as well that early call coaching can really help them to build their confidence and then they get a quicker return on the fruits of their labor. And if they get the returns a lot quicker, they're less likely to become keyboard warriors. Yeah. So that was my second one. Get them yeah. on the phone. Um, and the third one that I had was tap into their intellect. In other words, provide them with opportunities. And this is more so for, for, the, for, the, for the graduates. But let them give them the opportunity to tap into the intellect and the skills that they used while studying. I know I said earlier on, we've got to give them a target, a market. But sometimes when we give them the opportunity to say, 
well, how are you going to approach this? You know, what are your th thoughts on this? Get them to demonstrate it. Don't just go straight into tell mode. You never know. Sometimes these younger people that we're hiring into this wonderful profession, they might surprise you. They might even identify things or ways of doing things that either you've forgotten about or you didn't know about. Mm. Um, you know, the amount of sort of new applications or research points or apps that there are. Uh, and I think this is a great opportunity for them to give them a bit of a leash, give them a bit of rope. Uh, and it's a great opportunity for you to praise them if they come up with something pretty damn good. Yeah. Perfect. Right. And I guess, um, obviously, the other question that we, and again, this is from our own business, what we're looking at at the moment is moving a, you know, top biller into a management position. And that's yeah. like a key thing. So just yeah. in terms of that person, like, what would you, what advice would you give to the, a new okay. manager going into a new role? Okay, well, the first tip, and I know it might sound a bit cliche-ish, but it's planning and prioritising. To become a billing manager is probably the hardest job in recruitment. Mm. Uh, and the reason for that is that you will have conflicting priorities. The conflicting priorities are, well, do I spend that time developing these people or shall I fill that job over there that's got a 20K fee? You know, if I spend time developing them, I'm not servicing my clients and I'm not yeah. making placements and therefore I'm losing money. So the answer is, and it's easy for me to sit here and say this, is the answer is you've got to learn to do both. You've mm. got to learn how to plan and prioritise with these new sort of starlings sitting in the nest saying, feed me, feed me. And I think if you invest in your people early doors, that will mean that you will have to manage them less further down the line. So don't see it as, oh, I've got to spend some time with these people. See it as, I'm going to invest time in these people because it might well be yeah. that you've got some sort of team performance that you'll get a bonus on anyway. So you, look, when you first start in this job as a, as a billing manager, your time is not your own for a while. You have a almost like a, a permanent open door policy. They're there asking you the questions all the time. Yeah. So I suppose as part of that planning and prioritizing, I would say learn to manage out your distractions. And this is yeah. a bit of a strange concept to some people, but share them or share with them what you're doing. Because often as managers, we say, right, so what are your plans for tomorrow? Do you know what you're doing tomorrow? How are you going to hit your targets? Now, what we should be saying is, right, now let me tell you what I'm doing tomorrow. And if I actually said to them, OK, so thanks, team. Thanks for that. This is what I'm doing tomorrow. First thing in the morning, I'm going to be working on this particular retained project. So I'm going to have my head down until 1230. So effectively, what you're doing is you're managing out those distractions. Mm -hmm. now, some people say it slightly differently. Say, look, don't you even talk to me unless it's on pain of death until 1230. So yeah. I think doing those sort of uh, managing out your distractions, but also asking questions that are what I would call preemptive strikes. So ask them, for example, rather than saying, do you know what you're doing tomorrow, which is a closed question, just say, um, so what do you need from me? For you to be better prepared for tomorrow what if anything could stop you from achieving your objectives today or tomorrow yeah so for me it's about just be more open do those preemptive strikes plan out your distractions and share with them your particular diary and schedule as well okay um, so <clears throat> that can be a, a strange concept for some people to actually say this is what i'm doing mm. um so my second point is ask them how they like to be managed 
Yeah. Now you should never see this as a as a, a sign of weakness or you lacking in any sort of management skills. Yeah. This is about how can I potentially get the best out of them? It's a bit like being a trainer. We try and identify what people's preferred learning styles are. So why don't we, as managers, find out um, how they like to be managed? Uh, use this as an opportunity to explain to them as well how you are going to manage them. You might say to them, look, in the initial stages, I'm going to mm. be all over you like a rash mm. because you don't know what you're doing. So I need to be there to assess you. Um, and your level of management is going to be down to the task that they're doing and the level of competence in that task. And I think as managers that will help you is become less tell and more ask. If you always tell someone what to do, they will always then expect to be told. Yeah. But if you if you ask them and be more sort of coaching, uh, give them the opportunity to give you an answer, they, they might actually surprise you. They, they might actually be able to demonstrate to you that they can do what you want them to do. Yeah. Uh, and if they don't demonstrate a clear understanding, then you're there to plug the gaps. Yeah. That's I think one, one of the biggest challenges is that, you know, getting things done, like it's often easier just to tell someone how to do it rather than take yes. the time to... Yeah, that's, that's the thing. Easier isn't always best. Yeah. Just because it's easy. It's a bit like when managers say, well, I was never managed that way. You know, why should I give them an easy ride? And I said, well, that's because you were managed differently. You have different uh, values, different ways of working. Just because your boss beat you over the head with a stick doesn't mean to say that that's how you get the best out of this new starter. No. Um, and I suppose the other thing is to help you to manage them is to really understand what their motivations are. It's easy for us to assume that they just come into this job for the money. Mm -hmm. I think find out what their underlying motivators are. For example, what do they want to do with the money? Because I think that can help yeah. you to encourage. It can help you to set activities and also help you to encourage them adopt the right behaviours. Mm -hmm. um, and my last one, it's only two words, and it's be visible. Just because you've got a new job title and you've got some new priorities, you still need to be seen and you still need to be heard. Don't disappear into these booths that are appearing in all of these serviced offices. Mm. Don't disappear into one of those. I was trained uh, in management, I think it was back in 1991 or something. And I learned this technique called MBWA. Oh, MBWA, what's that? And it's management by walking about. And sometimes yeah. managers walking through the office, that instigated an activity that made you think, oh, God, the boss is in, better get my head down, better get on the phone. And if you're a billing manager, you need to be seen and you need to be heard because actually you standing up and doing the call or sitting down and doing the call, it encourages them to do the same. Um, a few years ago, I was in a, a breakout room, uh, one of my clients, and they got a table tennis ball and a foosball uh, or table tennis table, pool table. It's all in there. And one of their team leaders had his headset on and he was on a call closing a client. And this was it was perfect. The closing techniques he used was absolutely brilliant. And he, he controlled the client. He negotiated. He got what he wanted. It, it was absolutely superb. It was textbook. However, looking out the gap in the, the door from the breakout room, every single member of his team were just messing around on LinkedIn. None of them were on the phone and none of them actually heard him on that call. I said to this guy, and I was about to say his name then, I said to this guy, Alan, you should be, <laughs> you should be out there because mm. that was a brilliant call. He went, oh, thanks, Al. I said, no, mm. seriously, 
It was so good that your people never heard it and therefore they haven't learned from you. So if you lead by example, if you lead from the front, be there, show you people. So yeah, that third point was be visible. Amazing. Uh, Yeah, we've definitely had it in our business where some of the more senior members of the team just walk out and go to the kitchen to make calls. Mm. I'm like, come back, come back. Like, people need to listen to you. Yeah. Uh, It's really important. But you're right. There are those people that sit on the stairwell Mm. uh, and they say, oh, I do that because it's too noisy in the office. There's distractions. And I said, but hold on a moment. I've just walked past you three times (laughs) on the stairwell. (laughs) So there's more distractions there. Yeah. Okay, and this one um, actually came from from asking everyone on LinkedIn what what uh, what would be important for them in terms of um, those sort of marginal gains. Um, and Jim actually put it on on the post. Like, what are, what would you say the three kind of most important daily habits are, daily routine tasks that you think yeah. will make an increment at the end of the year that will make a difference to you achieving okay. your targets. Um, I think the first one, and some people might think this is a bit of a cop out from a trainer, but it isn't. It's it's one word and it's the P word and it's planning. Mm. Um, A a good habit to get into is to always have a plan. You don't just rock up in the morning, sit down at your PC and think, ooh, I wonder who's going to call me today. I wonder (laughs) what client's going to knock on my door and say, hey, can we work with you at 30% on an exclusive basis? Let's have a coffee. It doesn't happen that way. And I'm not just talking about having a plan the night before for the following day. I'm talking about having a continuous plan for the short, for the medium and the long, the long term, because your pipeline is not going to fill itself. And I guarantee you this, every exchange you have with a client and a candidate is an opportunity for you to plan ahead. Your clients and your candidates have future plans, Mm. but if you don't know what they are, how can you help? So you end up being a very reactive transactional recruiter, as opposed to somebody who understands their business challenges, their objectives, and can therefore be seen more as a a business partner to help them achieve their business goals. Mm -hmm. Not somebody who just says, jump, oh crikey, how high do you want me to jump? So one of the habits we need to get into is always thinking about planning, not just mm-hmm. at four o'clock for the following day, but start to ask your clients and your candidates future-based questions. If they're not hiring right now, when they will, when will they be hiring? What challenges do you foresee happening? You know, how do you anticipate growing your team? What plans do you have towards the end of the year? What plans have you got for Q1 to Q2? And you adapt your future planning questions according to either your intent market, contract market, or per market. You know, because it, it comes back to that age old question that managers love to ask. And that is, as your pipeline looking? And the thing is, your pipeline is only going to be as good or the results of your pipeline is only going to be as good as the quality jobs and the quality candidates you have in that pipeline. And you need to be able to build a pipeline for the future. So yeah. plan and find out the future of your market. Yeah, great. <clears throat> so that was the P word. Uh, now I've got a Q word. And the key word is, mind your P's and Q's, uh, it's qualifying. For me, qualifying is an essential habit. Whenever I train new recruiters, I say to them, there are two reasons that recruiters fail. One, not properly qualifying the jobs they're working. Number two, not properly qualifying the candidates. Fact, most deals that fall out can come back to any one of those reasons. Yeah. But qualifying is a daily habit. You don't just qualify the candidate and the client at the start of the process. 
you need to qualify them throughout the process. Why? Because of the unique nature of the business that we work in. You're dealing with people who can change their mind. Yeah. People, you know, they have influences, other influences, clients move the goalposts. And all of a sudden, you know, the other half syndrome might step into play. So qualifying is something that we do on a day-to-day basis. And how do we do this? By keeping in touch, by checking back and wait for it. I'm going to mention it. It's a bit of a cliche. Closing. Mm. Always be closing. You know, I, I won't mention, oh, I wasn't going to mention ABC, but ABC, I've done it. Yeah. Um, but mm-hmm. the thing is, some people say, oh, seriously, Alan, you're still training that stuff? I said, yeah, I trained it because actually it still works. And if I don't close and control and qualify my clients and my candidates, nobody else is going to do it for me. No. Um, and we know in recruitment, there's lots of these TLAs, three letter abbreviations. Um, and my <laughs> final point, my final point actually is another one. And it's called PMA. Now, and I don't want people to switch off at this point because they think, oh, here we go. These trainers, they're just bloody full of cliches. Yeah. Um, it is a cliche, positive mental attitude. And, and I think, in this job, one of the daily habits to get into is have a positive mindset. Why? Yeah. Because of the daily rejection, the constant disappointment, the letdowns, the ghosting. And it would be so easy because of the amount of negativity that there is for us to focus on that and that to form part of our everyday conversation and all the thought processes that we go through. And I remember my first boss who said to me, Alan, the no's are only there to make the yeses that much sweeter. And I thought, <laughs> do you know what, Gerard, that hasn't helped me at all. And it didn't help me at the time, but um, I thought he probably picked it up from some bloody trainer on a course or something. But I realised actually he was right. How do, you, how, how do you know how good it feels unless you've experienced something that hasn't gone so well? You yeah. know, you need to have good and bad in everything. And I think... A lot of people's minds, we tend to have a default, which is uh, it's not going to work out. And we tend to focus on the negative. It takes hard work and discipline and focus to be positive. And I can't remember who came out with this quote, but it was whether you think you can do something or you can't do something. You're absolutely right. (laughs) And I think and and being positive is absolutely infectious. So don't take this the wrong way, listeners, but be the spreader. Spread positivity and surround yourself with people who are positive as well. Mm-hmm. Produce positive content, produce positive conversations, uh, and sometimes give yourself a damn good talking to. And yeah. I did a, a sales course back in 1991 when I was working for NatWest, and I was given a set of 12 tapes. Now, some people listening just won't know what a tape is, <laughs> a little cassette tape. Um, and we were given 12 of these to listen to. Well, put it this way, I managed 10 minutes of the first one because this American guy who actually did the audio recording, he had this rather hypnotic voice. And by the way, I'm not very good with accents, but I'll give it a go. And this was the very first tape. Came in, there was a bit of intro music, and he just said, when you get up in the morning and you go into that bathroom, I want you to look in that mirror and repeat this three times i am a tiger i am a tiger i am a tiger well you can imagine you can imagine can't you i i tried this looking at myself in the bathroom mirror and i just fell about laughing my wife who was still in bed she went alan who are you talking to 
I said, don't worry, darling, I'm just tapping into my inner tiger. And the <laughs> thing is, I don't do that anymore. But there is one thing that I've taken from that back in 1991, and I still do it every day now. And that is when I get up, go into the bathroom, I look in the mirror and I make myself laugh. Why? Because it releases endorphins. It's a great way to start the day. And because I'm making myself laugh, the fact that I'm laughing at myself makes me laugh even more. That's why I've got, laugh. oh, literally just look at yourself and laugh. <laughs> literally, literally. Laugh. This, this is where my grandchildren said, granddad, why have you got so many crinklies or these little <laughs> bits? I said, darling, they're laughter lines. So, and I think what that does, yeah. it sets me up for the day. It gives me that positive mental attitude. It gives me some free endorphins circulating around. And I just, just take that out into my everyday life. Uh, it works for me. It doesn't work for everybody. PMA takes hard work. It takes discipline. But if you can do it, you can actually be infectious. Absolutely. Other people will actually warm to you. And look, this is a people-driven industry. And if you're positively infectious, guess what? They'll talk to you. They'll want to build business yeah. relationships with you. Well, there's a lot of, yeah, a lot of that talk about posit you know, being positive <clears throat> and positive things will happen to you. So, yeah. Well, that's that it. It's the, it's the law of attraction. Put yeah. positive out and you'll attract positive back. Well, Put negative out. Well, we know the outcome. We know what happens. Well, that yeah. is sounds like a great um, positive uh, end yeah. to our conversation thank you so much yes. you bring amazing That's energy it. it's great fun working with you and i yeah, can no highly re recommend everyone um yeah if you have any training needs get in touch with alan because uh yeah he's yeah. uh he's done a great job for us and yeah it's been great working with you so long may it continue good thank you very much for inviting me i've actually been training lisa and her team for what nearly two years but yeah. i've actually only met them once and that was what last, last week, week. Yeah, it was the day the was, Queen died. Yeah, that's right. I stalked we'll Lisa. I just sort of buzzed outside her office and said, let me in. We've never met. <laughs> no, it was great. Great to see you in Good. person. And uh, yeah, thanks so much for all the advice that you've given. And uh, yeah, have a great rest no of your day. Good. Enjoy.